Welcome to Tales of History and Imagination. Eccentric Tales from History by Simone Whitlow. Strange and magical things were afoot in Boston, Massachusetts, on September 2nd, 1859. It is 9.30 a.m. at the Telegraph office on 31 State Street, and the air is positively electric. Quite literally electric. Telegraph operators fired up the machine that morning. It immediately began firing sparks back at them. Operators from across the USA similarly dodged electrocution by telegram. Some telegraphs did set fire to nearby objects. Urban legend has it several operators got electrical shocks and burns. I've never seen an academic source actually mention an injury, but if no one was seriously injured, that would have been a miracle. At 31 State Street, they simply unhooked the batteries. To everyone's shock and astonishment, the telegraphs kept running as if possessed. A telegraph station in Portland, Maine had the same idea and shared their disbelief with State Street. That night, people stared up into the skies in wonder. That in the dead of night it was bright enough to read a newspaper, well, that was one thing. The aurora borealis, the northern lights normally only ever seen in far north latitudes, they could be seen in the tropics. As far afield as Cuba and Hawaii, people took in the light show. On the same night, the aurora australis, the southern lights, were on display as far north as Santiago, Chile. The following day, the New York Times reported, With this, a beautiful tint of pink finally mingled. The clouds of this color were most abundant to the northeast and northwest of the zenith. There they shot across one another, intermingling and deepening until the sky was painfully lurid. You may wonder what on earth could cause such a thing. Some at the time attributed it to the divine. Others guessed at scientific causes, including volcanoes all over the planet, expelling huge amounts of gas all at once, or a meteor shower turning to a pink mush when it struck our atmosphere. While many of the day's greatest scientists spitball questionable ad hoc theories, an amateur astronomer in Surrey, England, named Richard Christopher Carrington, had a pretty fair inkling of what had caused this phenomenon. On 28 August 1859, Carrington was staring up at the sun, 150 million kilometers from the Earth. The son of liquor barons, Carrington had trained in astronomy and secured work in the field, but left, finding the role too restrictive. For five years, he had privately studied the universe, in that time becoming particularly interested in solar flares. And really, in all fairness, why wouldn't you be interested in solar flares? They are massive explosions of energy, a thousand times more powerful, on average, than an atomic bomb. Carrington observed several solar flares over the following days, till a particularly large one cut loose on September 1st. This is what was believed to have caused a coronal mass ejection. Now, once you never stare directly into the sun, but if you were to look at a photo of the star, the corona is a huge ring of plasma surrounding it. This is the halo you see in a solar eclipse. It is superheated matter, usually a basic gas like hydrogen, 
nitrogen or oxygen, that has become so hot it has split from its electrons, becoming an ionized gas. Occasionally, when a solar flare is powerful enough, it ejects a wave of plasma out into the wilds of space, followed by a powerful wave of electromagnetic energy. Now, of course, Earth is a tiny sphere a long, long way from the Sun. The odds of getting hit by a coronal mass ejection are extremely low, but this wave, now known as the Carrington event, did hurtle towards us. Capable of moving at unbelievable speeds, the coronal mass ejection cleared the 150 million kilometers in a little over 17 hours. The experts of the day, Lord Kelvin included, dismissed Carrington's explanation as preposterous. Over time, scientists have uncovered that Carrington was in fact correct. The Carrington event would be the most powerful of its kind. Scientific measurements of nitrogen levels and ice show for at least 500 years. The solar storm of 1859 was twice as powerful as the next most powerful CME to hit the Earth. Now this all begs the question, what happens if Earth is hit with a Carrington event part 2? I mean, sure, it's a given that it would make for some beautiful scenery. A lesser CME appears to have hit the Earth in 774 AD. Although little surviving seems written about it, the Anglo-Saxon chronicles mention a burning cross in the sky at night. People in Northumbria took it as good enough reason to depose themselves of their unpopular king, Olred. There were strange lights in the sky across Europe January 25th to 26, 1938. Some Roman Catholics took this as confirmation of the second secret given to the three young girls in Fatima, Portugal. That would come true. Quick sidebar. We do have to cover Our Lady of Fatima at some point, I'm sure. Suffice to say, in October 1917, thousands of people in Fatima, Portugal, looked into the skies one day and claimed to have seen something like a blockbuster movie playing out across the heavens. Three young girls in attendance, who had been filling the minds of locals with stories of visitations of angels for months before, well, they claimed some angels had left them three secrets. The second secret was the Second World War would happen if people didn't stop offending God. In January 1938, one did not need a gallery of angels to predict World War II. Writers the world over recorded fire in the sky at night for up to three days in March 1582 in yet another solar storm. This particular one is thought to have cleared some degree of space junk out of the way between Earth and the Sun, making subsequent CMEs all the more stunning. So of course, before there was an abundance of electronic technology, a coronal mass ejection was pretty much just a beautiful light show. It does bring levels of radiation, but under Earth's atmosphere, they are non-life-threatening. Outside the Earth, of course, is a different story. A 1989 solar storm hit cosmonauts in the Mir space station, hitting them with a year's maximum intake of solar radiation in just a couple of hours. But what the Carrington event pointed to with the telegraph lines played out again in solar storms of 1872, 1882, 1903, 1909, to name but a few. And that is that CMEs damage electrical infrastructure. The New York Railroad storm of May 1921 started fires in telegraph stations, damaged phone lines and undersea cables, 
Electricity in people's houses becoming more of a thing. Many New Yorkers experience blackouts as all of their fuses blew. The 1989 storm took this up a notch, taking out the entire power grid in Quebec, Canada for nine hours. More worryingly, a smaller solar storm on May 23, 1967, took out US spy satellites monitoring the Northern Hemisphere. The purpose of these satellites was to pick up rockets launched from the USSR. An attack on these satellites alone would be considered a declaration of war. While scientists tried to work out just what in the hell had happened, the world briefly edged towards nuclear annihilation. But one doesn't even need to think of nuclear war to be concerned about the possibility of a Carrington event part two. Over the years, we have built massive amounts of interconnected infrastructure, which is dependent on both power and electronics. From records to monetary systems, traffic lights to communication systems, all aspects of our lives, even the personal stuff, photos and music saved in digital code to the cloud, it's all vulnerable to an attack from a CME. In a 2011 National Geographic article, Daniel Baker of the University of Colorado's Laboratory for Atmospheric and Space Physics estimated, if the Carrington event hit the USA alone in 2011, it would cause $2 trillion worth of damage. Of course, an event this large would affect most of the world. We have only become more reliant on vulnerable technologies since 2011 too. And one has only to think of recent disasters. The San Francisco earthquake of 1989. The Boxing Day tsunami of 2004. Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Closer to my home, the Christchurch earthquakes of 2011. Well, these all took years to rebuild from. Multiple trillions of dollars worth of damage to infrastructure across the globe would cause catastrophic effects that could take generations to recover from. One final fact I'll leave you with. In 2012, that apocalyptic Mayan year, some people held their breath as the Mayan calendar came to an end. Well, that year was scarier than many of us imagine. In 2012, the Earth only narrowly avoided being hit by another CME. This one almost as big as the solar storm of 1859. Thanks for listening. This has been Tales of History and Imagination. All episodes written and narrated by me, Simone Whitlow. All music, yours truly. Visit the show at historyandimagination.com. You can follow me on social media, links in the show notes get access to exclusive bonus content via my Patreon, also in the notes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a like on your podcatcher of choice, and share the episode as word of mouth is the best way to help shows like this grow. Love to see you back in two weeks' time for more tales of history and imagination.